0: Hello, and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're welcoming back to the show, Jordan Saunders, who we had on just over two years ago. Jordan is the CEO and founder of The Resource Key, which is a marketing comms agency featuring and focusing on inclusive branding for people with disabilities, making sure that they're fully included. So, Jordan, welcome back. Obviously, a lot's happened in the intervening two years, so tell us a little bit. More or revisit uh, what the source, the resource key is, um, and what you're doing, and then let's dive straight into all of the exciting stuff that's happening now.
1: Yes, thank you for having me, and I will start with a visual description. I am have brown skin. I'm wearing a black and red headset. I have this black sweatshirt on that says. Friday, I'm in love and it has like gold um, shimmer to it. I'm sitting in my office in a black and white chair with books in the background. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, The resource key, yeah, it's still, we're still focused. Um, The goal and the mission is really to to ensure technology is, that's being built out is inclusive and accessible and leaves no one behind. Marketing has been the core of what the resource key does because a lot of times there's a lot of great initiatives that happen, but no one knows about it. So, I think marketing and really great technology that's successful and inclusive go hand in hand um, in order for it to be able to um, the information to spread and get into everyone's hands that, that need it and could be able to utilize it as well. Uh, so, that would be why I'm so focused on um, marketing and with the overall mission to ensure uh, no one's locked out. Excellent.
0: Thank you. And, and before we started recording, we were talking a lot about um, AI. Obviously, it's a topic of conversation for everybody. Um, you know, it's lots happening in the world of ai including you know um boardroom coups uh revolutions counter revolutions uh particularly with some of the big ai companies but also there's a a a lot of discussion around ai in terms of inclusion and and exclusion and and deborah i know jokes about um you know i love it but it's going to kill us but but there are all sorts of different angles at which we could um, talk about this, and I know that that just before we came on air, um, you know we were talking about different types of jobs and new jobs that potentially come up as we um, as we move into the the age of working with new technologies. So people are scared you know that AI is going to take their jobs. But but this happens with all new technologies. So you have job dis- destruction, but you also have what we what we call job displacement and replacement. So some jobs will go, not that many actually. But then you'll get some that are moved and and become transformed, and then you get the, the sort of replacement of of jobs as new, completely new roles get created to to deal with the technology. And I think you've been talking about some of those and how. Um you, know, you talk a lot in terms of marketing and conversation. Well, we're in the world of conversational AI, so maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about your views on, on that and the opportunities we have.
1: Yep. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um yeah, so there's I look at a lot of different layers. Um, you know, I can think of as having a speech language pathologist pathology background. Um, there are some colleagues that I know that have gone into like conversation designer. So if you're interacting with a chatbot, um, a lot of the chatbot flow and the conversation that's happening had to happened by someone inputting that information of how the conversation was closed. So a lot of speech language pathologists have shifted into um, that area. Um, And that's just one example. So I really see back, you know, years ago when I first started in the field of speech language pathology, um, you know, everything was very disconnected and and disconnected. And I say in the form of there wasn't as much overlap as there is now. You know, I was, speech language pathologist, someone that was in tech was in tech, someone that was in marketing was in marketing. Now, you know, at my business, I see a lot just going to conferences and talking to different people. You know, now technology is so much a part of everyone's industry. So it's no longer you're in the tech field, I'm in marketing, um, it's all interconnected. And I think that's huge when we're talking about um, system jobs, because, what you said, too, is um, huge. Yes, there probably are going to. The reality is there are going to be a lot of, um, uh, with AI uh, being so much at the forefront, there's going to be a lot of jobs um, leaving. But there's also new jobs that are, are happening and, and forming as we speak. But I think the key is really just as we create pipelines for job opportunities, having that care to be able to consider the people that may not be utilizing the technology or interested to be able to make sure there's pipelines as well for other opportunities, um, whether you're really into AI and you're able to adapt and shift and find new opportunities or whether that may not be something you're not interested, you want to do something similar to maybe um, you're doing before. So using the technology to be able to leverage that, but creating these pipelines so that no one's left out. Um, I think this is a inflection point. I think this is a very disruptive moment we're in to be able to build better, um, to be able to build fresh and new, whatever word you want to use. But I, I think it's also, we have to go with caution and care because in a rush, for companies to be the first to create or implement something. Um, I hesitate to say, you know, a lot of times when we're in a rush to do things, sometimes it can be a little bit um, scary because that's where there may not be, you may be implementing the same types of systems that left others out previously. Um, So I see this as a very big moment and I, I feel that we can, really think big in terms of how we can utilize the technology, but I also see it as a moment where we need to take caution and care when we're, um, you know, creating new systems.
2: Well, that—that's—I—I um, I love these conversations. I would just say, and I know that you and I recently had a conversation about this, and um, I do think we need to be thoughtful. I—I I agree, we need not to rush. But the reality is, people are going to rush, and I—I uh, mean, I mean, I get it. It's just sort of also what humans do. But um, I think the one thing that is. Um, Discouraging me, and I know that's the wrong word to use, but that is the word that I'm going to use. Is that I see some amazing opportunities, but I don't see in people considering these opportunities in ways that I think we, in as meaningful ways as we um, could. Let me ground that comment. So for example, I was talking to a group the other day that um, helps people with intellectual disabilities in the United States um, find employment. And they were talking to me about these great training programs they had done so that, you know, so my daughter, Sarah with Down syndrome, could become a dishwasher or she could become, you know, a bagger at a grocery and as she, the as I get these jobs, it, it does discourage me because I believe, and I know for a fact, that my daughter really has other aspira- aspirations for her career and her work life than just the standard, boring, easy check the box list, things that we see do, happening now. And so I was talking to this group and I said, well, what are you thinking about when it's coming to AI and some of these opportunities? And they and they just sort of looked at me blankly and they're like, well, we haven't even thought about that. And so I think, first of all, I'm a little discouraged that um, we are not looking at this as an opportunity to rethink everything, as you just said, Jordan, and I think that enough of us voices need to continue to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, but I also want to make a comment to something else you said, Jordan, which I agree with, but I just want to tweak it a little bit in that you were mentioning jobs going away and things like that and I know we're talking a lot about oh your jobs are going away but actually what I think happened at first I don't know if y'all agree and I'm curious if y'all agree with me. I think there was some knee-jerk reactions of jobs going away and of course there were companies that were conveniently laying people off because yeah really we noticed who you were brands but whatever Um, but at the same time I think there was a lot of knee-jerk reactions that happened and there are some brands that are regretting what they did getting rid of comms team marketing's team content teams and stuff i see regret happening now and because the reality is ai is going to work best when we work with it as human beings which i get that and we are watching brands so please stop being stupid because we know what you're doing and it's just so important that we humanize these topics and so i just hope that um, more people will begin to have these types of conversations. And so I was just wondering if you want, you know, what your thoughts are on that as well. Cause I don't think as many jobs are going to go away as we're predicting, but I think there's going to be some interesting ones open up. And also bottom line, by God, can we start training people with disabilities to do these jobs that are available and marketable? So, okay, now I need to be quiet. So, okay, you go, Jordan
1: yeah no, you you brought up some really good points I think um it's just I I think it's limitless in terms of like how we can utilize this um uh, AI to be it's just a matter of our the angle in which that we're approaching it um so even you t- talk about like finding new jobs and opportunities I think it's it's Awesome. Like AI can help be able to do that, but you have to input the information. That's like the huge thing. Um, and I'm talking specifically um about like generative AI right now. So generative AI is based off of entering prompt, um, you know, and then you're receiving human like text or images, any information related to um whatever you're asking it, but that's all based off of input. Um, data and it's generating the information and content by using learned patterns. So what are the patterns? What is the data that we have existing? What is the information that's being inputted? Um, Because at some point with generative AI, the prompts you're not going to be having prompts anymore. It's just, okay, now everything's being trained. Now this is further down the line, of course, but um, so I think we need to be thinking about things like that. So when we're talking about jobs, I could think of, um, you know, creating models or different jobs that maybe are not like dishwasher or, you know, creating other jobs and training programs and setting up the technology to have this pipeline as well as sustaining, um, you know, someone can get a job with a dis- uh, that has a disability, but um, what about sustaining and being able to provide the support that is is needed because a lot of times maybe someone gets the job, but then, you know, two months later, they're not, um, performing because, but a lot of times it's maybe they're not providing the accommodations needed or, you know, there could be, um, a number of different reasons, but I think that's important as well. You know, creating the jobs, helping to find the jobs, um, sustaining the jobs as well, um, putting things in place, uh, So, and then measuring, I think um, if we look at a lot of data previously, you know, a lot of the things surrounding accessibility are are still very manual, but uh, so I think um, it's still going to be that way. So you still need humans involved in this process and to be able to work with the technology. Um, You know, I think we're always going to be relevant in some way because of the fact we have to work with the technology to train it. But if we're not training it or inputting in new information or information that's not there, um, then it's just going to be like we're repeating the same patterns and excluding um, people with disabilities, as well as we need to be able to have measuring tools, right? Like, so when if someone goes on the job, um, are, are they being measured in terms of not measured in terms of performance, but like support, like there's not a lot of um, – when you look at data, um, a lot of the data is based off of, okay, this company, um, you know, searched this many websites or this company um, tracked maybe like 10 people or the sample sizes are not um, very diverse. You know, they may have taken one type of disability. So I think that's going to be important as well to be able to measure because the other piece is like, not everyone wants to self-report, so I I'm just um, kind of looking forward. It's some the numbers may decrease in terms of when we look at census data and things of that nature because you're, um, a lot of companies will base it. Oh, well, there's not that many people with disabilities. Um, or there's not this, but so that's a lot of the things that I'm looking at is like, how do we set up a system where people feel comfortable enough where they they're feeling supported to be able to like, um, feel comfortable self-reporting where they're not going to feel like they're going to lose their job tomorrow because they stated that they had, um, a specific type of disability. Um, and where the numbers are going to (laughs) decrease because people don't want to report or if they don't have to, if let's say someone has an invisible disability or, you know, so there's all these different things, but measurement is going to be huge, I think, because that's what companies are basing. They they shouldn't only base it on that, but that's what's happening. And there's not a lot of strong data to support um, a lot of uh, different information that's happening. So I think we can really utilize AI to be able to create some strong measurement tools and also to be able to create accountability and also have the space where, where people feel that they're being heard and that they are, these comp- companies are being accounted for or hold, being held accountable as well. So um, yeah, uh very long winded answer, but I think there's a lot of great opportunities. Um, and I see this as like a really, positive thing, like, in terms of going for it where we can do better.
2: I agree. There's a lot of data that's needed, but... Um, but I would also say, and then I'll turn it over to Neil or Antonio. But th- there is there is a lot of data. There's a lot of training that needs to be done, and we all need to, I believe, join the AI conversations to be learning ourselves, but also training. So um, there's a lot of data that needs to be learned. But I have a feeling the way we're using some of this data now, in way, wh- and the, even some of the examples you use, Jordan, I think it's going to be shifting quite dramatically on what we're really going to be looking about when it comes to whether or not corporations are really meaningfully including people so i think there's a lot of uh lot that's going to come out of this but um antonio let me turn it over to you
3: over the last couple of weeks uh we assisted to a a large number of pledges uh uh, on on ai you know from no from from the g7 to the uk government even even to the White House, everyone is making a pledge. Everyone is coming with a charter uh, that in some case, you know, and then you get this on the news and people are wow, what's going on here? So, uh, and then we, we had all this drama that took place at OpenAI with, you know, a board firing the founder and then the founder coming back. And then people claiming, oh, we need government to come up with policies because apparently companies are not ready to take the charge and, and, and make it happen. So it's complicated. So, what specific policies and standards can governments implement to ensure that AI tools are accessible and don't really discriminate against people with disabilities because you know now everyone is jumping into AI. You talk with the startup, oh, we have this AI solution. Uh, you talk with uh, no. Everyone is having bringing AI solution to market. So how can we make sure that they don't discriminate?
1: Yeah, um, that's a hard question. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I would say that um, you know I see it as there has to be like some type of there's. You know the website accessibility guidelines, but I think there has to be more in the sense of like when I was talking about accountability. So like let's say for example, I know in when you add an app to an the um, the app store, you're not it's not just getting added immediately. There's a certain list of protocols you have to go through before you get approved to be able to get your app added. So I think there has to be some type of a, approval process based in um, you know, like a, a standard that's being upheld in some way before it goes to market in terms of a lot of the technology. Um, existing technology, I it's a little bit harder right now just because there's so many different moving pieces with that. But I think by implementing um, a best practice and standard protocol that is, um, they're uniform and everyone has to follow, I think that would be a, a way to be able to do better um, because of the fact that you have a process that's going across the board because right now everything is um, very like piecemeal in terms of like, okay, well, I have um, good, great color contrast on our, you know, or we have a accessibility statement, but it's kind of like different pieces to like kind of buy time and I hate to use that phrase but that's what it it feels like in terms of when when you're just looking at a lot of the um the conversation because it's like there's so many different pieces when you talk when we talk about accessibility and it's when you look at um anything surrounding like technology building it out all these different pieces as well as you have to um be able to um maintain it. Um, you know, you may come up to compliance or you may have a accessible website or a accessible app, but then like if your whole developer team, let's say, gets fired tomorrow, the new developers that come on, do they have do you have a strong um protocol in place where those new developers that come on are gonna know like where to pick up? And that's that's what I see is a lot is happening. It's it's a lot of different um Moving pieces,
2: so yeah, I would say that would be that would be one way to that I could think of. And Jordan, um, let me let me just make a statement because I I believe, uh, and y'all could um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we already have all those legislations and all those standards in place. So if any company is building any product using AI and they're not following the laws of the land and the standards we already have in place, because AI is not new. All of this stuff is already accounted for in our legislations and standards. So they, I believe the laws of the land are already state that these things have to be accessible. Maybe we need additional legislation. But I believe any of the brands, we believe, um, and I believe the lawyers are siding with us on this, those, we, you, you need to follow our current standards and laws, which will, AI is in there. They're not going to say, oh, no, no, that's different. I don't they can't do what they did to us with the internet so a lot of this this isn't new technology this stuff is already you were already supposed to make this stuff accessible so I just want to real quick come in and say uh yeah, yeah. any brand that's trying to do that you're gonna get in trouble so excuse me um Neil I don't know if you wanted to come in here but yeah we have laws that address this
0: I think yes we do have laws that that address the accessibility of stuff but but what jordan was saying was right the you know there is this whole move fast and break things uh mentality creeping back in because the large organizations and the large corporates are in fierce competition because we're at at that point in a in a new technology cycle where everybody's wanting to be the leader in that technology which comes around you know once every few decades and you know the last big one which is not as big as AI was really you know around social and 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 on all of this stuff and before that the big transformative one was the internet I think AI is probably bigger than both uh in terms of the long term impact that it's going to have in terms of how it transforms what we do and how we do it and so on so there's an awful lot up for grabs and 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 these organizations know that they're throwing money at it they're wanting to do stuff fast we now apparently have a pause but that was only because of the sort of boardroom shenanigans if we like um but there are definitely um the two different sort of viewpoints on this one is we just need to get it out there and and play and the other is actually you know let's be cautious let's design it properly I'm you know of the opinion that this stuff is so powerful that we ought to be designing it properly, have humans in the loop, including disabled humans in the loop right from from the beginning. Um, Because the whole way that sort of conversational AI works is it puts together something that's plausible, but it may not be true, right? So, um, and the the risk we have in terms of misinformation and then misinforming people and the impact of that on society, is not AI, we're not gonna have Skynet, right? It's not going to be like the Terminator. But what we may have is humans doing stuff to other humans because they believe stuff that has been created by AI, or or that is believable misinformation. And and, and I'm not just talking about deep fakes here, but the more the AI ingests content that has been created by other AIs that has created somewhat plausible, somewhat fact-based, but not entirely true content, the worse the problem gets. So so there is an element of, of need for caution in all of this stuff. Um, and I am not necessarily seeing that. So I, I see huge potential benefits in how you can use AI for specific assistive technologies, right? You know, talking about the fact that if I need to compose some text right now, I can get something to I can get ChatGPT to give me a, a a first draft. But I need to revise that first draft. I need to be the human in the loop, and and the you know, and if you don't know enough about the topic, it seems plausible, and you don't edit it and it gets published on the internet, the AIs will use that material. So we create a, a, a system of pollution where we're essentially continuing to ingest material and reference material that's not truthful. So so I think that that we we need to be mindful about how we use it. Did I spout too much? No, I, I, no, I, I, no! It's
3: true. Right. It's
1: true.
3: <laughs> I, I would like to to to, to introduce a, a a new topic that relates with the fact that AI and generative AI is also uh, uh, making uh, a lot of entrepreneurs to bring up new solutions. In some cases, addressing accessibility and focusing on trying to solve problems for people with disabilities without engaging with the community uh you know this oh i know I, I can fix subtitles i can fix alt text so how how can we create collaboration between technology developers people with disabilities to to make relevant and practical ai solutions yeah
1: that's a big one um i saw that a lot of a few recent convert uh, conferences i went to um Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, a a very challenging question to answer because I know I'm like, it's, it's easy. Like, why can't you just like collaborate and, (laughs) and reach out and have even, you know, if people with different disabilities want to be a part of the, the team, like hiring them in a role to be able to, you know, if they want to be in like, that. Leadership role to help with developing and then also, you know, being able to help develop the um, technology. Um, so I, I do, it's, I think it's just more, yeah, collaboration, um, more streamlining to, in terms of having like, there's a lot of, I feel like, of information and there's a lot of different resources and there's a lot of different groups and. And so sometimes I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll flip to the other side. I think that it's, people don't know how to um, be able to integrate or like where to start in terms of when they're collaborating or when they're trying to find user testers. Um, I know that sounds like, well, how can you, how does, is that not possible? Um, but I think when it comes to a lot of times I see if companies do reach out, um, they're reaching out to only what, maybe one type of like um, user group. So maybe like um, reaching out to um, maybe individuals that are are blind, or maybe um, if someone has a certain type of, um, uh, is someone is a wheelchair user or something like that. So I think um, it really just has to, a lot of times, I think it's gonna to take to like reaching out to some of these um, organizations and, and saying, cause I even think of, of Google um, or the speech attacks. Um, now they're collaborating with like, um, uh, I think it's called Google Sonia. I think they changed it, but they're collaborating with like different um, people with different types of speech patterns um, to help with the speech attack. So it's understanding a lot of the technology because to your point, it is, there's like captions, automated captions, alt texting form, but it's not <laughs> including anybody <laughs> with different types of disabilities. It's just like, oh, we can do this for um, the podcast or we can do this for, you know, this use case. Um, but I see a really great opportunities too, like in emergency planning, um, in terms of with AI, I see great opportunities, of course, in like employment and hiring, um, I mean, there's a lot of, I feel like, big opportunities. I even see teams being able to hire um, to be able to input the information surrounding accessibility into the large language model so that we have, like, the information in because, um, you know, there's not, uh, like, back to what we are saying, there's not any, a lot of the data when you ask certain questions. It's either, like, it's not in the general it's based off of like my one conversation or they have to, if I'm asking through a prompt, it has to like know that it knows I'm passionate about accessibility. So they're going to include that in my answer. Whereas if I talk nothing about accessibility, it's just going to be like, not going to say anything about it. Yeah. So I, I think it's just like really um, being able to collaborate to I think
3: work together, bringing everyone together to be able to provide the resources um, to be able to have that. So, so on on one of the, a, a reason why I ask that is also related to the fact that some people in some parts of the world that they, they can be really good at mastering and getting funds from investors. Okay, and 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 we know that in in the VC world there's a huge lack of diversity about who gets the funding. So how can we uh, turn this around where people with disabilities have more opportunities within the VC community to build solutions that they need for their community? How can we try to, I I, I know that we're not going to be able to find the solution here, but at least I think it's an important discussion that needs to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely coming together, like collaborating and then um, partnering. I, I, I definitely think that's like going to be a huge thing. Is, is coming together, partnering, and bridging because a lot of times if we're in um, one space, then we. I think we just building like a little bit more aggressive. I think we. I mean, we're already aggressive. I feel like now, and I don't mean like you know run people over and even like that <laughs> but just like coming together and pushing like pushing more yeah. and it kind of yeah collectively coming and collaborating
0: so i i i think we definitely need to make our voices heard i do take uh i do take some solace in the fact that large software vendors um you know, like microsoft Uh, There are plenty of others as well, but uh, are starting to use AI in such a way that if you want to create a document, it ends up accessible, more accessible by default because it's doing things like creating structure and headings and all of this kind of stuff. But I think that I watched a really great demo about six months ago as part of a podcast I was participating in by... um, Crystal Preston Waters, who um, was using different large language models to create websites and using different prompts to create the websites. And she was having to go to a great level of detail saying, acting as an accessibility coding developer that is wishing to create a website with CSS and JavaScript to Conformers level AA, create me a web page with a form on it, rather than create me a web page with a form on it, and it being accessible by default, right? And so we need to get to that point where it, these models shouldn't be creating stuff that is inaccessible because the standards are known, and the people that are making these things can reference these standards and they can point to them. It, it, it actually wouldn't take much to point to clear reference material in design to enable people without the knowledge of how to prompt and what to prompt for, to use these tools to create accessible things instead of perpetuating inaccessibility. I, I um, So I, look, I want to thank you for coming back and joining us, especially given that, that we've been um, doing this over Thanksgiving period, so thank you Uh, give you thanks. And we also need to give thanks for our sponsors and supporters, Amazon and MyClearTech for helping keep us on air, keeping us fresh, keeping us captioned. So looking forward to you uh, being part of the conversation again on social media. So thank you, Jordan. Thank
1: you for having me.